two scriptures that I want to read to you. And one, uh, one is found in Zephaniah chapter 4 and verse 6. And the other one is found in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. But I'll read out Zephaniah first. Zephaniah chapter 4 and verse 6. And this is the Lord speaking to his people. So he said to me, this is the word of Lord, the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord. And then in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now I want to stop there and I want us to remember, really I want to do is remember Pentecost and remember the impact that it's had in the world. You see, Pentecost does split religion. It's the Spirit having control of the church and not mere men. It's the Spirit's power and not academia. Those things in themselves are not wrong. But the Lord said in the Old Testament, it's not by might, it's not by your power, it's by my Spirit. The work will be started. It will continue and it will be completed by my Spirit, says the Lord. It's important that we remember how the church started as we know it, the New Testament church. Pentecost transformed the disciples. Pentecost has a transforming power to change a human life to more than it could be or should be. Pentecost was transforming the preachers. Pentecost transformed preachers into, into powerful preachers. Look at Peter's sermon. Peter's sermon, when he stood up, it was phenomenal. What a history lesson. What a word. Where do you think he got it all from? He couldn't even stand for Christ at one point. He's walking with Jesus for three years. Wasn't enough. If it had been enough, there would be no Pentecost. There would be no need for it. There'd be no need to wait. It's just say, well, you've been with me three years. Get on with it now. I hope you make it. You know enough. You've seen my power. You've seen me raise the dead. You've got enough testimony to make people wake up. And he said, no, no, go to the upper room and wait for the, the power of the Holy Spirit. 120 men and women were in that room and he fell on all of them. All of them received the power of God that day. Peter preached with revelation, knowledge, and power and authority. So powerful. It was so powerful that people got convicted of living wrong. People got convicted of sin. People got convicted of stuff in their life. This is what it said. It was so powerful. 3,000 people were added to the church that day. I mean, where was, where, was the church, where was the church program then? 
how to build a big church, how to get people in, how to get them in, how to, how to. I'll tell you how to. Find a man filled with the Holy Ghost who preaches under the power of God. Not somebody who's joining a social club or a club. Well, it's a good life. No, you will walk in. God help me to be a preacher. When you come through the doors, you won't be comfortable in your sin. But you'll cry out, what must I do to be saved? 3,000 people got added to the church because a man waited for the power of God to come on him. A man who was a fisherman and the power of God came on. What a day that must have been. Oh, maybe you're not like me, but try to visualize it. Imagine 3,000 people coming in and go, where do we sit? What do we do? How do? I mean, if we got another 50, we wouldn't know what to do this morning. We'd be grabbing chairs. 3,000 people got saved under the preaching of the power of the Holy Ghost. Not by might. Not by clever. Not by using the cultural words. So people don't get offended. Not by changing your language. Not by trying to be applicable to everybody. Oh, you can't preach what you want because it's not your gospel and it's not your word. Not by might. Not by power. Not by big personalities. But by my spirit, says the Lord. 3,000 were added. Pentecost is not, the Holy Ghost is not a doctrine to be argued about. He's an experienced. It's an experience with God that a man, <coughs> excuse me, that a man can have an encounter with the maker of heaven and earth and actually meet him. You see, the New Testament changes something. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came on them. The Spirit came on them. In the New Testament, in the birth of the church, the Spirit came in them. I've said it. I've said it for the last two years. And I'm not saying it irreverently, but you need to get this. You are God's new address. You are where God lives. Pentecost was a supernatural experience. Jesus told them in Acts 1-4, wait until the Holy Ghost comes on you. Why would you say that? Why would he tell them to wait? It's, it's not even, he's commanding them, don't leave this room. You can't get this through education. You can't get it by just studying. This is an encounter and an experience that will change your life forever. It, this is the experience of 12 men who will turn the world upside down. Fishermen, nobodies. Jesus told them in John 14, 26 that this would happen. He said, when I go away, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send somebody else. See, when Jesus was with them, he couldn't be, he wasn't omnipresent. He had to walk with them. But no, you can go all over the world because I'm going to fold people and I'm going to go all over the world. I can go anywhere now. Because I'm living in you. You said, you think it was good when I'm with you? It's going to get even better. Now you're going to really get to know me. Because my very spirit that raised me from the dead is going to be in you. You're going to know me like you've never known me before. 
Men's method and organization skills are like windmills without wind. Useless. Men planning and guiding and money and resources and the wisdom of this world is oil without lamps without oil. Lamps without oil. Oh, you look the part, you're all polished up. You know how to do three points. You're a theological genius. So was Paul. But he would have been the best theologian in hell if he never had his encounter with God and got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Windmills without winds. Lamps without oil are absolutely useless. They're ornaments sitting about and people go, that's a nice windmill. That's a nice lamp. And God says, I don't do nice. I come in, I'm here to interrupt you from your sin. I'm here to destroy the principalities and power. And I'm going to take ordinary people and I'm going to put my extraordinary power of my spirit in them. And I'm going to turn this world upside down and I'm going to build a church. It's going to look foolish with foolish little people. They'll try and put the fire out. But 2023, it's still getting built. It's still growing. It's still moving. People are still getting healed. People are still getting delivered. People are still getting saved hallelujah hallelujah for Pentecost they were not ashamed Pentecost changed fearful men and women into dynamic witnesses for Christ that was the difference Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.10, he says, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be a fool for Christ. I want you to think about these men that I'm speaking to you this morning about. I want you to think about fishermen. You know, Peter denied them. Thomas doubted them. You know, John was so mystical lying on his chest. You know, you've got, you've got all, I mean, what a bunch. I mean, what a bunch. I take the foolish things of the world. I love that. I love this kingdom. It bypasses all the big shots. And he, and he goes to the lowest places on earth. Goes to prostitutes and the friend of sinners and the nobodies. And he says, you, follow me. He said, well, well follow you. I've, 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 not even been in the, I've not even been in the Jewish school. I'm not even, I've never had a rabbi. I'm poor. I'm weak. And he says, follow me. And he starts to call these people out. Think of what honor they had. What social influence did these men and women have? None. There was nothing about them. They had no social influences. You know, they weren't the mayor. Wasn't the great politicians. It was the nobodies. They had no influence. You see, because people would say, oh, there's a great man. There's a great preacher. There's... And God said, I'm going to take nobodies so that you'll know there's a God who can do mighty things. They weren't respected. They weren't honored. They had no social influence. No hierarchy. There was no advertising, no programs. I get worried about that when you see big posters we are narrow on it and directions, directions to the revival. Directions to the revival. They had no advertising, no posters, no names, 
Nobody. They just went into a room and the power of God came on them and they'd done what the Bible told them to do. They were obedient and the world couldn't stop them. We've got more technology, more preaching tapes, more CDs. We've got everything and there's less power than there's ever been. It's an old-fashioned way. Go into a room and be with him and get on fire. John Wesley said, somebody said, how come people come and hear you preaching? He says, I go into a room until I'm on fire for God and then people come and watch me burn. There's no other way. Buy the books, buy the points, buy the steps, buy the how-tos, but a man praying, broken before God, fasting, going into a room for this poor world, a church that would declare a full gospel with full power and not be ashamed to say, I'm Pentecostal. I believe in the power of God's spirit. I can't move from it. I won't move from it. I won't, I'm not interested in political correctness or the culture or what they're saying. I've got a book in front of me and it's full of God's wisdom. It's full of God's power. And it says, who the sun sets free will be free indeed. There's a God who can forgive you. There's a God who loves you. And there's a God who'll fill you with his spirit and use your life for his glory. Can somebody shout Amen. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Everybody hated them, by the way. They were persecuted all over Rome. They weren't the flavor of them. They weren't trying to win people over. You know, oh, come to your church, it's very modern. We've got drums and everything. <laughs> what on earth are you talking about? What does that mean? What does that mean? We've got drums. Oh, you might see it's very modern. Very modern. You want to see it? We've got, we've got stage. We've got, we've got technology. You should come and see our church. What on earth have we done with the gospel? You're trying to be relevant. I don't even know what relevance means anymore. Relevance has robbed the people of God of the presence and the power of God. Relevance. The gospel is relevant in every generation. I was on drugs for 10 years, 30 years ago, or whenever it was. Can't remember the date, the time. But the gospel was relevant. A skinny preacher called David Wilkerson went to the streets of New York to the gangs of New York. The gangs of New York. He never, he never got his ear pierced, right? And got conformed and went, all right, how are you doing? I'm here. To, can you dig the scene tonight? He's no fitting in with them. He's no trying to win them over. No advertising, no programs, no successful ideas. Men and women had an encounter with God and wanted the world to know we've got good news to tell you. And that's what we need to preach, by the way, good news. We need to leave people with hope. You're going to hell, you're going to crumble. That's not good news. It might be true, it might be a doctrine, but it's not where you start. For God so loved the world. He gave his only son. It's not by might, it's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. Great opposition was against them. They got battered, they got beaten. This is the start of the church, by the way. 
you think God would have at least give them a break and Christianity would be easy and preaching would be easy and give his favor with the culture. They got battered, they got killed, they got bruised and for centuries the church suffered great persecution. The church's growth and success is not because of human wisdom and human power. And it's not because she's got money. She's probably got more money than she's ever had. But do you know there was a time when they never had any? Because they said, silver and gold I do not have. Imagine a church like that. But what I do have is worth much more. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up. If I knew you were going to run, we could have done a sponsored running. Well done, Andy. I don't have silver and I don't have gold. No, I'm not against silver or gold. We need it. But it's not where the power is. It's not the treasure box of the church. The treasury of the church is the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, I want to say to you, lives in foolish, I hope you won't be offended, foolish old little me and little you. I'll tell you, there's no big shots coming. There's no big, big shots. God uses men, God uses women. Yeah, but I'll tell you, most of the time, you look at a fancy watch, it's all the little things in the inside that, that matter. No use having a gold watch if it doesn't work. Silver and gold I do not have. You see, that's why you can have church in a, in a shed. That's why God... And the Azusa Street Revival found a one-eyed black man who wasn't even allowed into the Bible college because he was black. He had to sit outside the door and listen to theology and do it separated from white people. His name was William Seymour, one-eyed black man. And there was big churches in his time, velvet curtains, big stages, great preachers. And here's a one-eyed black man. And God jumped over them all and found a one-eyed black man, preached in a barn, on a chicken crate, and there was a worldwide revival. Pause for a minute. Pause for a minute. No social standing. One-eyed black man. In the days of separation. And stood in a chicken box in a barn in the Azusa Street Revival, Los Angeles. And preached his heart out. And from that box and from that man, there was a worldwide revival. Wow. Not by might. Not by power. What have we done with the Holy Spirit? What have we done with Him? And then he finds a man called John Wesley and Charles Wesley when everything's dry and on a boat he gets saved and his eye diffused a quickening ray. Got fought with the spirit and the gospel came all over the UK again through the Methodists. And he keeps raising up these individuals. George Whitfield, great preachers, Billy Grahams and goes on and on and on. When the church needs stood up, what does he do? He doesn't go to some methods. God's method is men. And he finds somebody and he puts his spirit in it and says, be obedient. What have we done 
And I put myself there. What have we done? We've made it into some institution. Oh, we need order. There's no doubt about that. We live in a different age. There's no doubt about that. Children and life, just mortgages and work. That's enough, isn't it? We live in a different age. You know, somebody said to me once, John Wesley used to get up at three in the morning. I said, that's because they never had electricity. They had candles and then they went to bed at, they went to bed at seven at night. <laughs> Here I am trying to get up at five in the morning. I'm like, that. Oh. John Wesley done it and I can't do it. Every man for his generation, every man for his time, every man and woman, God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. I'm nearly finished. 120 men and women, the Spirit fell on them and they made a difference. Ordinary men and women. Not by might, not by, but by, but by, but by. And that's the difference. And all Rome was against them. And it didn't die out. There's a story in Acts 5. And I just want to read it to you because it proves my point. Acts 5 in verse 33, it's when God was moving powerfully. It says, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. That's the Christians. They wanted to put them to death for preaching the gospel. A Pharisee named Gamil, a teacher of the law who was, was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin, ordered the men to be put outside for a while. Then he addressed them. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do with these men. Some time ago, Thedeus appeared claiming to be somebody and about 400 men followed him. He was killed by his followers and they were dispersed and it came to nothing. After him was Judas, the Galilean, appeared in the days and censored and they led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if this purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if, it, if, it was, if it's God, you will not be able to stop these men and you will only find yourself fighting with God. I say to the world today to read that verse. Just to let you know, for the tape, it's not died out yet. And you did kill him. But you got back up again. If this is of men, it will die out. Two and a half thousand years later, people are still getting... It's not bad, is it? I mean, it's not bad. When it started in Jerusalem with a couple of fishermen. It's not bad what's happened. It's phenomenal. It's a miracle. It's supernatural. Because you can't stop it. Because it's God. We're in a rut and we need to get out of it by the Spirit of God. It's the only one that's going to deliver us and set us free. Listen to Acts 16. Acts 16. This is how the gospel got to Europe, by the way. Acts 16. Verse 6. Paul and his companions travelled through the region of Pygria and Galatia having kept, been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching in Asia. The Holy Spirit stopped them going to Asia. You, you know, people would go, no, no, that must, that's the devil. No, it was the Spirit who stopped them. It wasn't time yet. It wasn't right. And we need to know God's timing. 
When they came to the province of Asia, when they came to the border of, of Mycenae, they tried to enter. But the spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they passed on and went down to Taurus. During the night, Paul saw a vision, a man from Macedonia standing, begging him, come over to Macedonia, help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once and went to Macedonia, concluding that God was calling him to preach the gospel. From Taurus, we went up to sea and sailed straight for Samthoris. And the next day, honestly, who put these in here? And the next day, they, they went to Glasgow. Uh, and they were traveling to Philippi and Rome and, and Orkney. And a leading, the leading city in the district of Mesopotamia, praise the Lord, Macedonia. And when they were there several days on the Sabbath, they went outside the city gate to the river where they were expected to find a place of prayer. Now stop there. They're just going to look for a place of prayer. This is Europe getting the gospel. When we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there, one of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Tyria, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart. She responded to Paul's message. And when she and a member of her household got baptized, she invited them home. If you consider me a believer... And the Lord, she said, come and stay at home. And she persuaded us. That was some plan to get the gospel into Europe, wasn't it? She's the first convert of Europe. A woman sitting by a river. A businesswoman who sold purple linen, obviously in Valencia. It was a woman the first woman got saved was the first convert in Europe. They tried to get to Asia. They tried to do that. They tried to do this. They never wrote down a strategy plan. They just went and walked in the Spirit, followed the Spirit, and the Spirit wouldn't let them in. So they went there. He went there, sat down, and a woman got saved. And the whole of the gospel reached the whole of Europe from a woman sitting in a river and a few men looking for somewhere to pray. That's how it all started. You could do that. Stop for a minute. You could be led like that. You could be stopped from going one place and go to another. You could, be, you could miss a train and sit on another. And, and you're talking to somebody and you're saying, they're talking to the next Billy Graham. You haven't got a clue and your life's not over. Are you willing this day on Pentecost to not look for the big advertisement, to look to be the big shot, but just to be led by the Spirit, just to go and find a place, you go and find a place of prayer. And as you're going to find a place of prayer, God says, man, what a heart you've got. You're coming to find me. I'm going to lead you here. And there just so happens there's a woman going to be sitting there and she's going to get saved. And the whole of Europe is going to come in to hear the gospel because a couple of men obeyed the Holy Spirit not by might. When are we going to get it? Not by power, but by my spirit. I need you. Don't be looking at me and going, well, Jay's in ministry. I, I, this is not, do you get it? This is not my life. This stage and this preaching is not my life. My life is following him. 
This just happens to be part of it. It's part of my call. I said yes. I, don't, I didn't want to be a preacher. I wanted to go and be a plumber. I wanted to get a family. I wanted to live in a house because I was, I, was I was on drugs for 10 years. I had nothing. I was poor. I had nothing. So I just wanted a house and I wanted to be a plumber and go and get a degree. But God had other plans and I got led by the Spirit and he took the foolish thing and nobody, that nobody knew, no influence, no power, massacred the Queen's English, still doing it, as you know. <laughs> but I just said yes to him. I look like a fool up here. I'm, sometimes I'm embarrassed. I'm dyslexic. There's nothing right about me. But do you know what? I'll be a fool for Christ because he delivered me. Because I know it's not by my education. I'm nothing wrong with education. But I'll tell you, it can get in the way of the Spirit. We're too clever for our own good. God help us to humble ourselves. How would you have took, how, how are we going to reach Europe? That's where we, we, we start. Have we got enough? And God says, here we go again. We have to wait till you've got enough. Have to wait till you, you can, you know, preach. You need to learn to you. And a couple of men went outside the city to look for somewhere to pray and sat down at a river, and she just happened to be sitting there. And the Spirit said, no, no, no. And he was so in tune with God, he heard something saying, come, come. It was a man that told him to come, but it was a woman who got saved. I really am almost there. Listen to Paul's words, and then we'll have tea and coffee. Paul the Apostle, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. Thank you for your patience. I know it's a bit harder to follow today, but I hope you're hearing it. 2 Corinthians, verses 1 to 14. This is Paul the Apostle. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence and superior speech as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. I love that. No, he said, I never came with eloquence. I never came with great speech. I came with a testimony about God. That's what I came with. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ and Christ crucified. I came in weakness and in fear. Oh, what a pastor. You know, I'm the man of power for the hour. Theological genius. We wouldn't even know about communion. We wouldn't know about the spirit. We wouldn't know how to run church if it wasn't for him. We would know nothing about nothing. About marriage and sex and lust and all the things he writes and all the counsel he gives and all the letters that he wrote. Theological genius. And he said, I came with fear and trembling because I know my education and myself have nothing. I know it's not by might. I'm not, I could tell you about my eloquence. I could tell you about my powerful speech. I could tell you about my theological genius. I could tell you I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was taught under the best schools. I went to the best universities. I count it all dung that I might know him. It's not by that. God might use that, but it's not by that. It's not it's not by that. It's not by that. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. I came in weakness. I came in fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise, persuasive words, but a demonstration of the spirit's power. What a man. He's trying to tell them. He's saying, whatever you do, please. Don't look at the stock where I came from. 
I could tell you I've been battered, I've been bruised, I've been left half dead, I've been whipped, I've been shipwrecked three times, I've been put in prisons. I've, I'm, I, was, I was taught by Gamaliel, he was an amazing man, I was taught in the Hebrew of Hebrews, oh, he could say it all, and he says, I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, that's what you need. And then he says, I love this, so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men, but on God's power. Wow. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age. Not the wisdom of this age, or the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. <laughs> no. We speak God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and God has detained for our glory before the time began. And then in verse 10, but God has revealed it to us what by his spirit, the spirit searches the deep things of God. When you go to the prayer, when you wait for the spirit, God shares his heart with you and then you stand up and speak. Paul's not trying to impress us with his knowledge, his intellect, his personality, and he's not trying to entertain the church. He's trying to bring the power of God's word in a demonstration. He said, I come in weakness and humility with fear and trembling, no fancy dress, no polish. You know, you polish your face with dyes, your shoes is all shiny, you look the part, but you're empty. You're a lamp with no oil. You're a windmill with no wind. You're a cloud that holds no water. What have we done with this marvelous, wonderful experience we call Pentecost? Some churches will, Pentecost has become a laughing stock because the enemies tried to destroy it with the foolishness and the flesh and manifestations that have came from the flesh and their nonsense and it is robbing us. And now everybody's scared to move in the power of the Spirit because there's been so many, much nonsense and the world's laughed at the church. It's time to bring real Pentecost back, the real power of the Spirit, the real moving of God. He's not trying to be relevant. He said, I want to know nothing among the lot of you except Christ and Christ crucified. I don't want to hear any gossip or philosophies or what's the next big thing or the next big prophet. I've came with the power of the Spirit. I've came with a message about Christ and the risen Christ. Pentecost. God coming by His Spirit. This is what Pentecost is to me. Pentecost is God coming by His Spirit to live in ordinary men and women. And John 7, 37 said, If anybody Thursday, come and I will follow them. Charles Spurgeon. A church in the land without the Spirit is rather a curse than a blessing. If you have not the Spirit of God, Christian worker, remember, you stand in somebody else's way. You are a fruitless tree with a fruitless life. It doesn't grow. Please move over and let someone stand there. The Holy Ghost does not come upon methods, but upon men. He does not anoint machinery, but man. He does not walk through organizations, but through men. He does not dwell in buildings, but he dwells in men. Samuel Chadwick, the church is the body of Christ and the spirit is the spirit of Christ. He fills the body, directs it, 
its movements, controls its members, inspires it with wisdom, supplies its strength. He guides it into truth, sanctifies it, and empowers it for witnessing. And last one. Oh, you vain, glorious church, Charles Spurgeon, this is. You vain, glorious church. You may glid your domes. You may glid your domes. You may make your pillars of alabaster and cover your altars with precious stones. You may clothe your priests in scarlet with white linen. You may make your ceremonies imposing, your possessions gorgeous, and your music enchanting. But all of this avails nothing if the Spirit of God is gone. All that remains to you is a sounding brass and a tingling cymbal. Nor does the strength of the church lie in her numbers, which is a large church without the Lord's presence, but a mass of chaff to be scattered in a whirlwind and end up rotting on the floor, producing nothing. Nor does the strength of a church lie in her doctrine. The Ludicene church did not hold false doctrine, yet she was a nuisance to the Lord. Truth may be held in unrighteousness. Orthodox, orthodox churches may become lifeless corpses. And then he says this to finish. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's been a long morning. You've listened well. I hope you've heard my heart. And I'm going to put the blame where the blame lies. It's not the world. They are what they are. That poor world that we blame. Oh, look at the state, look at them. It starts with the church, I'm afraid. What have you done with the Holy Ghost? Don't look at other people and judge them today. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. But I will tell you this. If you can use the foolish thing in front of you, you can use anybody. Anybody. Not by might. Not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. Let's stand. Again, thank you for your patience. I know it's warm. It's been a long morning. But I want to pray now. I'm not going to give a call. And I'll tell you why. I'm going to leave you this week. I hope in 10 minutes time, this word does not fall from your heart. And you come back next Sunday. I hope you remember what I've said about communion. Because the Spirit has led me to do that this morning. And I hope you remember what I've said about the Spirit. Let me tell you something about the world and the people before we go. God loves this world and he loves the people in it. The church is not all that. And you're no better than them. The only thing that makes you different is God's grace. The only thing that makes you different is God's grace. That's the difference between us. Nothing more. The church needs to not be judgmental about this poor world. It needs the gospel preached under the power of God. And you poor, foolish, weak thing, you're the very person God's looking for. You might miss a bus, but honestly, God could use it to get onto our next bus. And the gospel goes to, and the gospel goes to, and the gospel goes to, and the gospel goes to. And how did it happen? Not with a how-to, but an obedience being led by the Spirit to go to. Father, thank you for your Spirit. If we've grieved them in any way, we apologize to you. We're sorry. If we've grieved them, if we've resisted them, 
So Holy Spirit, we just say to you, have your way in us this week. Take our lives and let it be. Guide us and lead us. Let, let us be able to, maybe somebody has a need and you can use us to, maybe you put it on a heart to give something to somebody, to phone somebody, to go somewhere, to, to, to visit somebody, to just a nudge. These nudges become great events in the Bible. These men, Lord, Paul didn't know that the gospel was going to go all over Europe through this situation. He just was led by your spirit. Bless Acorn Church, Lord. Bless the, every man and woman today. May they have a great afternoon. They've given you time, Lord. Would you, would you give them that time back and bless them on this bank holiday that they've came to church? Would you bless them and let them? And if you don't know, ask the Holy Spirit. If you don't know God, just say this. Ask first to Jesus. I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong. Would you come into my life and forgive me? And then ask him this. Would you fill me with your spirit? Because he said, anybody who comes to me, I won't cast out. If any man Thursday, come and I will follow him. In Jesus' name, amen. Teas and coffees. Have a great morning.